Hello, this is Aaron Eckhart, and you are listening to Center Stage with Mark Gordon, the beautiful one and only Mark Gordon. Center Stage, Center Stage, Center, Center, Center Stage. Center Stage. Good evening and welcome to Center Stage. My name is Mark Gordon. Every Tuesday night we love to talk about film. And tonight is no exception. October is the season of Halloween. And uh, currently there are three horror films that are opening up. Unnatural, I Spit on Your Grave 3, and Tales of Halloween. And we are going to talk about the man behind the music of these films, Edwin Wendler. And he's here in studio with us this evening. And let me just run down some of his credits. Oh, nothing. He just worked on X-Men, Days of Future Past, Little Fockers, Teresta's, which I've, I've – Teresta, every time I turn on my cable channel, Teresta's there, and I still watch it. I don't know what it is. but I, See, I love to watch horror films when I'm home, safe in my bed, because I want to see somebody having a worse day than I've had. And it's funny that you mentioned Teresta's. Um, Why is that? Well, I was at a signing um, about a year ago or so, and somebody had a DVD of it. And uh, I was surprised that they even knew that I worked on it. They have no music credits whatsoever. I don't know how that happened, but I thought it was really cool that that person knew I worked on the movie and, and asked me to sign it. That is the ultimate fan when you have somebody that actually went out of their way to find out who did the music. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I guess they found out on IMDb. It's not that difficult to find out, but right. I, I, I felt touched by it, and they seem to really like the movie as much as you can like a movie like that. It's, it's very well done, I have to say. The makeup effects look really realistic. Um, I was convinced. Let's talk about the three that are currently playing. Having three films released in the same month, that's a lot. I mean, you yeah. were very busy, weren't you? Yes, I, I was very busy. But, you know, I mean, October is a very popular release month for horror movies, obviously. And uh, it's not like I didn't work on all those three movies at the same time or back to back. There were a couple of smaller projects in between. But it just, you know, as I said, it's a popular release month for horror movies. And on a natural, the way it happened was that I have to go back a little bit. Um, do you know that crazy thing called the 48-hour film festival where... Film teams are giving, given 48 hours to do a short film. It's really crazy. And I usually have four hours to do the music. It's like five minutes of music in four hours. So in one of those crazy 48-hour uh, film festival short films, one of the cinematographers was Mark Carter. And Mark was the cinematographer on Unnatural. And he recommended me to the director, Hank Braxton. Um, and Hank says that after only a couple of seconds of listening to my music, he said, that's the right guy for Unnatural. I want to meet him. So we had a great meeting. And I could tell immediately that the people who were around Hank, who were talking to him, who were working with him, really liked working with him. And there was this friendly back and forth. And I'm like, I want to join those guys. I want to I want to work with them. And fortunately, I ended up doing just that. And it was a really great collaboration. I keep saying this. And Hank may be a little uh, embarrassed by it, but it really was one of the best working relationships I, I ever had on a movie. What I really wanted to do on the score is establish a main theme, just a very simple idea, and then use it in scenes where you might not expect it, because in its purest form, the idea is a very lyrical one, because I wanted to capture the loneliness of the landscape. It's just, you know, winter, snow everywhere, help is very far away. Um, so I wanted to capture that, but I wanted to use that same theme everywhere, even in the crazy action music. 
Um, so I, I, you know, used portions of it in in action riffs or only in the bass line, stuff like that. Do you write themes for the polar bear, themes for the victims, themes for the landscape? Do you think in those terms? Yes. In in this case, I, I thought it was necessary to have because Hank wanted the music to be cold, and he wanted the the coldness of it to be a presence everywhere. Even in the main titles, which look beautiful, and we see beautiful landscapes, and we see elk running. Um, but he wanted to have that uncomfortable cold everywhere in the music. So that's why I kept focusing on that main theme, which is a very simple idea uh, introduced on the piano. Um, and then for the bear, the bear doesn't really have a theme. It has more of a textural approach mm-hmm. where I used brass sounds and put them through, through weird filters. Because what I wanted to do was take a natural sound and obviously make it unnatural by applying weird filters to it. So that's that's the main thing for the bear. Now, with the in-credits, what is the ultimate objective with the in-credits? Is it to create something that's captivating to keep the audience there so they sit through the entire in-credits? Because, you know, unless you're really a cinephile, the minute the film is over, people are up and out. Right. I think no matter how interesting the music is, people will just leave. But... What I want to do with an end credits piece is, you know, some composers, especially if there's not a lot of time, they just choose to use music that's been playing in the movie and re-edit it or rearrange it. But I, I always do my best to compose a new piece of music that basically sums up the essence of the movie and hopefully presents uh, the main theme or the main themes in an exciting way. And is it also the the intention to to kind of amplify what the audience has just seen. So when they leave, it, it, it amplifies the experience. Exactly, yes. And I think it comes from the tradition of opera, you know. It's, it's an overture and the exit music, I guess. Uh, you know, the main credits being the overture. And uh, I think it's exciting. And, and those are obviously the pieces that you work on the most in terms of making them sound great just as a musical experience because the music is obviously very exposed. When you so, say yeah. exposed, what do you mean? It means that there's no dialogue, no oh, sound effects. Oh, right. You know, you're just listening to music as there's a pure... There's nothing to distract. Exactly, as a pure the, music listening experience. Unless yeah. you don't want to read. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> How long did it take you to uh, write the uh, score for this? I would say about six or seven weeks or something like that. We had an interesting case because uh, the distributor wanted to make the movie a bit longer. So after a pause of a couple of months, I got new material that I had to score, um, so that was interesting and kind of cool to revisit music that I had left behind and thought it was already done. You um, get a uh, 8.1 rating out of 10 on uh, IMDb. Oh, really? For a natural, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I, I like not I like the artwork. Oh, thanks. That, yeah, it's, it's very mysterious. Yeah. And, it, and uh, the premise is, what is it? Global climate change prompts a scientific corporation to genetically modify Alaskan polar bears. That's right. It's this but tragic But now it's the thing. horrific consequence. Yes. Now so we don't have to worry about corn and soy and wheat. Now they're mod- well, they're modifying the salmon. That's right. No, so it's, don't, don't upset the salmon now that are, yeah. that are like ten times the size. Well, it's noble intentions, as is often the case in horror movies. You know, they want to create polar bears and other animals that can withstand the, the effects of global climate change. And the experiment goes wrong. Have you seen the film uh, in it with all the music and everything in it yes with I, saw, I saw the it? final version a couple of times once at a cast and crew screening yeah where i first met director um mike mendes with whom i later collaborated on tales of halloween so that was pretty cool um and then just recently at the at the official premiere that after dark films did 
with an audience. It's always nice to see with an audience. You know, you hope that they react the way you want them to, and fortunately, that happened. How does music influence uh, an audience reaction in a film? Uh, I, I, I would say that it can have very a very strong influence, but not always. Like sometimes you try your best to get an idea across and it's just very difficult to do the same, to do what you want to do with music. I, I usually say that music cannot say concrete things like the door is green. Music has to communicate in abstract ways, but those can be very strong, especially mm -hmm. if you take out dialogue and sound effects. Music can have an immense effect on the audience. Do you write themes for the polar bear, themes for the victims, themes for the landscape? Do you think in those terms? Yes. In, in this case, I, I thought it was necessary to have, because Hank wanted the music to be cold, and he wanted the, the coldness of it to be a presence everywhere. Even in the main titles, which look beautiful, and we see beautiful landscapes, and we see elk running. Um, but he wanted to have that uncomfortable cold everywhere in the music. So that's why I kept focusing on that main theme, which is a very simple idea uh, introduced on the piano. Um, and then for the bear, the bear doesn't really have a theme. It has more of a textural approach, mm -hmm. where I used brass sounds and put them through, through weird filters. Because what I wanted to do was take a natural sound and obviously make it unnatural by applying weird filters to it. So that's, that's the main thing for the bear. Who were some of the composers that influenced you? Definitely Bernard Herrmann. I mean, he's, he's like the godfather of, of, you know, what a lot of horror music is now, nowadays. But I would say Jerry Goldsmith because I love mixed meters and changing meters and odd meters, and that's something that Jerry Goldsmith did all the time in his music. And I was very lucky um, that I attended a, a seminar with him, and I was able to ask him that question. I asked him, you know, why does your music have, have all those cool mixed meters? Is it because it's just part of your style, or is it because you worked on a piece of music and the picture changed, and all of a sudden a 4-4 four, four bar needed to be a 7-8 bar? because of, you know, changing lengths. Uh, and he said, that's an excellent question. And he said that that was always part of his style, even before he started writing film music. So I, I feel very grateful that I was able to ask that question and get a, get a nice answer. The next film that's coming out for you this month, uh, I Spit on Your Grave 3. In this case, I, I never talked to the director. He was, for some reason, absent from post-production. So I talked to um, the producers, uh, primarily Lisa Hansen, and post-production um, supervisor and co-producer Adam Driscoll. And they really liked my music for a movie called Broken Angel. They really liked the vibe of it, and they thought it was appropriate for I Spit on Your Grave 3 because the location is very different, and the main character, um, Jennifer Hills, uh, who is the same character as in so the first movie. So it's the same movie, lady as the second one as, as well? As in the first movie. Oh, yes. I see. So she's come back now. She's come back. For more she, revenge. Well, in the beginning, she wants to start a new life for herself after all well, the Well, can you trauma. blame her? Can you exactly. blame her, Edwin? after all the drama that she went through, she just wants a new start. I feel like that every week after doing my show. Absolutely. You have no idea what it's Absolutely. like on this end of the microphone. You should totally do what she does. <laughs> Change your identity and, and take I revenge. I, I haven't. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, and, and the setting is very different because the setting in the first movie was very rural. And in, the second, in, in this third movie, which is a sequel to the first one, 
um, the setting is very urban, and I guess they wanted to have a different sound. So that's that's why they got me on board. So my because I, I asked in the beginning how much should my music um, pay homage to the music of the first movie, and they basically said we want something completely new, uh, and you know do whatever you feel is best, and that's what I ended up doing. What's your instrument of choice? I would say the workstation. You know, really? Yes. Uh, you know, I, I I studied piano for a while, and my piano playing is just good enough to get ideas across and to you know arrange my own music. But I'm not a very good pianist, and obviously I have to know how to write for other instruments. But I would say uh, pretty much. It's it's true for pretty any composer, pretty much any composer who works now, that they have to be great at their workstation. You know, no matter what sequencer they use, they have to know all the shortcuts and everything to be super efficient in their work. So you went to UCLA, and uh, what did you learn uh, in their film scoring and screenwriting? The uh, UCLA film scoring program is fantastic. The the teachers there were really kind in the, the sort of advice that they gave. You know, not only in terms of composition, orchestration, the technicalities of film scoring, like how to keep music in perfect sync with picture and stuff like that, that you have to just learn. Um, but also in terms of situations that, that just uh, happen in the lives of composers. Uh, Gerald Freed, who is a wonderful composer, probably best known for his music for the original Star Trek TV series, he had a great class where he taught us how to maneuver through meetings. You know, like he would pretend that he was some movie executive or a director who didn't pay attention to what you were saying or was distracted by phone calls or kept talking about his children instead of talking about you and what you can bring to the movie. So those lessons were very, very useful. Where do you feel most at home in terms of your scoring? What type of genre? I, I don't think I have one. You know, to me, it's, it's key to find something about each project that you fall in love with. Mm -hmm. And even if it's only one scene or one line of dialogue, because the music has to feel honest, it has to come from a place, much like acting, it has to come from a place of honesty and excitement and commitment. How do you know when you've dialed into that? How do you know when, when what you are creating has that sense of authenticity? And I think, honesty? I think it happens when I work on something and it, it, doesn't feel like work at all you know it just flows basically and sometimes you know you work on a scene and no matter what you try it doesn't work mm -hmm. but you have to keep going and this is an important lesson that i learned from paul haslinger with whom i worked for a few years is that what was the film uh it wasn't a particular film it was just i was working on fear factor at the time you know the nbc reality tv series and, um, you know, sometimes you get notes from a client and you don't understand them. You know, there, there is something really weird or notes that you think are contrary to what the music should do. And even in cases like that, there is always a way. And this is not just positive reinforcement or, or blah, blah, blah. This is the actual truth. You can always find something that can get you excited, even if you get crazy notes or you have to throw out a piece of music that you felt really passionate about you know even if you have to start from scratch there's always something that you can find in the process that makes it exciting again and and i live for those moments for me it was really exciting to work on fear factor because what they what they wanted was a cinematic sound so i scored each of those action sequences or stunts as though they were you know 150 million dollar action blockbuster movies and that's what really got me excited about them
Edwin, best of luck with your future endeavors. Thank you so much. Until next week, this is Mark Gordon, and I'll see you center stage. Center stage, center stage, center, center, center stage. Center stage. Hello, this is Homer Simpson. Whenever I want to know what's going on in the entertainment world, I listen to Center Stage with Mark Gordon. <laughs>